Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of LifePoint Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth. All right, go ahead and grab your seats. Thank you, band. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Whoop, whoop. You guys doing good? Yeah? I love how Courtney was like, all the middle schoolers do whoop, whoop. And everybody who knows anything is like, I'm not in middle school, but I rather do whoop, whoop. So to that I say, whoop, whoop. So are you guys ready? Back to school, man. Give me one word to describe what the atmosphere is like in your life right now. One word, stress. It's week one. Horrible, easy. (laughs) One word. I'm in pain. (laughs) Painful, all right. So overall, I, uh, I like to do this every once in a while just to gauge the temperature of your souls. Let's do a little thermometer test. Not thermometer, thumbometer. So give me this if you're like on 10. Give me this if you're on a zero. And where are you at in between? Show me the thumbs. All right, that's honest. I appreciate the honesty. Yep. Dude, we all know those people. We all know those people that like, no matter what's going on in their life, they'll always just be like, How many of you know people like that, right? That it's like, yo, they just got like a million dollars. They have all A's on their test. Their parents just bought them a new car and their face is like, right? And you're like, are you excited? They're like, I'm thrilled, right? And then there's other people like me that like, you know, (laughs) you could be like a mile away and you see my body language and I'm like, yo, I'm on top of the world, right? This is the best day of my life. It's like, what happened? My, mo- my wife made lasagna. You're like, that got you on 10? Yes, it does, right? And then there's other days where it's like, I just wake up and I stub my toe in the morning and like my whole world is like, oh, why am I even living, right? Anybody turbulent like that, right? And so we have a fair amount of you in this youth group that you're like, I love this! And then there's other days where you're like, kill you, right? And you're like, All right, so let's not kill anybody tonight, but um, I am glad that you're here. So no matter where you're at, yo, tonight's a big day. You know why tonight is a big night? Do you know why today is special? Because I have a lot of homework. Because you have a lot of homework, incorrect. Um, Fail, right? So we are starting a brand new series tonight. We are starting a, a journey. We are starting a series through one of my favorite, favorite books, First Thessalonians. Questions. Let's do a little pop quiz. How many of you have read 1 Thessalonians before? Hands. Nice, right? You know when um you know when your homeboy or your homegirl is like, you haven't seen this movie? It's been out since 2001. And then you're like super excited because you're like, nice, there's a great movie. It's been proven to be a classic, and I haven't seen it. I want to watch it, right? That's like 1 Thessalonians. You haven't read 1 Thessalonians? It's been out since like one, right? Like from the beginning of ADs. And so we're gonna go through 1 Thessalonians and we're gonna watch it. We're gonna read it together, okay? And a major theme, a major theme that you will encounter through this book, 
You will not be able to read this book. Hey, welcome back. You will not be able to read this book without experiencing history. How many history fans do I have in here? Be honest. Whoa, okay. History? How many of you say history is my favorite subject? Okay. I like all subjects because I'm awesome. Yes, I agree. All right. Um, I came across this quote. I came across this quote about history and I'd like to share it with you. Um, I read this and I was like, that is the most genius thing I've ever heard. You guys ever come across a quote and you're like, oh my gosh, like that says it perfectly. I came across this quote from this dude about history and it says, history (laughs) is the source from which great cultures draw their strength and identity. Oh! Hold up, shh, I don't know why this is so funny, but let me read this, let me read this again. This dude looks smart. This dude looks like he knows what he's talking about. Shh, quiet. History, I'm gonna pretend like I can imagine how he would say it, okay? I imagine his voice, something like this. History is the source from which great cultures draw their strength and identity. This dude's got bars, right? And so I came across this quote and I go, you know what, he's right. This guy knows what he's talking about. Because when I grew up in school, check it out. I'm gonna be super honest, all right? When I grew up in school, I hated history, right? Because teachers, they'd be all like, in 1944, we went to the moon. Yeah, it's just like all these random dates and like random facts. It's, I didn't pay attention, you see? I don't know when we went to the moon. Except even Stevens came up with a song. They went to the moon in 1969, not 1970, but a year sooner. Um, and so I didn't like history, because I thought it was all about facts. I thought you had to just memorize these random things about like, in the 1800s, this guy named Boone did this. I'm like, who cares? But friends, you know why our homeboy up here is right? You know why, you know why, the, you know why this guy is way beyond his years? Because history, shh, listen here, listen here, listen to this. Hannah, track with me. History is about way more than dates and details. Shh. Uh, when I get to the profound part, then you gasp, okay? Just like, we paid, just like I paid you for. History is not about dates and details. History, my friends, is about the narrative. History is about the story of our lives. History is what we do when we take time to reflect on where we've come from. History is that story that shapes our identity. It shapes our lives. It shapes how we approach life. And friends, when you forget your history, when you forget where you came from and what is in your past, that is when you get into trouble. Every great culture has drawn their strength and their identity from their history. Oh. Let me give you a couple examples because you don't look sold, all right? Example number one, American Revolution. This is a a fact. This is a point in history, okay? This is where America was birthed. And most people don't know that right there on the front lines was Mel Gibson, the patriot of all patriots, right? And so, dude, the American Revolution, this is more than just like a date and a detail, okay? Okay? The point of the American Revolution is not to win some trivia game. 
It's not so that you can have random facts of knowledge and be on Jeopardy one day, okay? The point of the American Revolution is that we as a people were born. And so we celebrate every year with fireworks, right? Like think about how integral, think about how ingrained in our brains the American Revolution is. You would never, never, you would never meet a dude on the street in America. You should, I say you should never. You should never meet a dude on the street or talk to, talk to a girl in class and be like, hey, do you know how America was started? You would never meet somebody that goes, you know, I never thought about it. Where did America start? Right? Like, dude, the, the start of our country is so ingrained in us. It's so ingrained in the world that if you go to England or if you meet people from England and you go, hey, uh, 4th of July, ever heard of it? Like, they're still hurt about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you talk to English people and they're like, the independence, we let you in, you know? <laughs> That's what they sound like in real life. Don't listen to the movies, listen to me. So the American Revolution is a point in our history. It is so ingrained in who we are, this taking of our independence and being the best and winning, winning the globe. We, we beat the most powerful empire in the world. To this day, that point in history shapes our identity. It shapes how we view ourselves and it shapes decisions that we make, right? Nobody's standing up in Congress going, I think we should join forces with England and have them be our queen and king. What? No, we would never do that because we're informed by our history. Make sense? History is not about dates and details. It's about the story. You don't believe me. I'll do another one. All right, fine. I'll do another one. Who knows what this picture is? Famous picture. Who knows? what? Students? Students? Nope. Close. Very close. Torin, what is it? It's the apple. The apple guy? <laughs> Ew. The apple guy? That's like putting a picture up of the president. Go, who's that? The American guy. Steve Jobs. This is a picture from 1975 where the two Steves, Steven Wojciechowski and Steve Jobs, they got together in his garage. If you actually read the biography, the guy's like, everybody knows about our garage, but we actually started in my bedroom and then moved down to the garage. And I'm like, Cool. Um, so in the garage, they get together and they put together their first computer board. It's called the Apple, the Macintosh. To this day, this story is so ingrained in the community, in the culture known as Apple, because they started this company that has become, it's, I just read yesterday, 70% of their business is through the iPhone. Any iPhone users? Whoop, whoop. Yeah, exactly, right? I'm getting that iPhone X. Yo, that iPhone X though, oh my gosh. It looks sick, it looks sick. So anyway, yo, I'm about to take an offering for the iPhone X. But listen, listen to me. To this day, whenever an employee is hired at Apple, you know what they learn? They learn the history. Every single employee at Apple learns the story of an entrepreneur who went against all odds and just started and he was courageous and innovative because that's what they want the company to be like. Your history is your story of where you've come from. It shapes your identity and how you view your life. 
And so I want you to understand the importance of history because as we go through 1 Thessalonians, every single week, you're gonna see Paul referencing back to their history. You're gonna see Paul referencing back and, and the word remember is in there like every other verse. He's like, remember, 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 right? And he's just telling them to remember their story. Remember where they came from. Remember what God did in their lives. Not the dates, not the details, the story of their beginning. Remember where you came from. And so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do something fun this year, okay? Every week, since, we're, since Paul is looking back on the story of what God has done, every week we're gonna do the same. And so instead of having one giant night of stories, what we're gonna do is over the next several weeks, we're gonna share stories. And so every week we'll have one element of a story. And so if you're here and you're like, dude, I'd love to share part of my story in the coming months, sign up lpcvan.com slash stories, and you can have an opportunity. Uh, we'll just do five minutes every week. But the reason why we're doing this is because we want to be a community that is constantly looking back and remembering what God has done in our lives. But you know what's kind of sick? That you guys are teenagers. Like the, the cool part about doing this with a group of teenagers is that because of your age, because of your grade and your station in life, Yes, we can look back on what God has done on your history, but at the same time, you're making history. Like these are the garage moments. These are the American Revolution moments. Right now in your life are happening these moments, these camp experiences, these sermons, these small groups, these conversations. Right now, you're experiencing the things that five, 10, 15 years from now, you'll look back on you and you go, dude, that's my history. You guys are literally making history and we get to do it together. And so here's what we're gonna do. If Paul, if the writer of this letter is constantly going to be talking back about their story, if he's constantly saying, remember what happened, remember your story, remember your history, here's what I propose. I propose we do something creative today. Before we dive in, before we get into the letter, why don't we just step back and remind ourselves, or, or for many of you, learn the story. You guys wanna do that? Yeah? So before we read the letter uh, where he references the story, let's actually just learn their story. Instead of having Mikey Morales or Josh Lipinski, whoever shares stories, instead of having one of us step up here today and say, this is what God did in my life. This was the beginning for me. We're gonna see what the beginning was for the Thessalonians, okay? And as you do that, as you listen to their story, on the things that they're looking back on the rest of their lives, you're gonna find that there are two, everybody say two. There are two major pillars of their story. A lot of details, a lot of dates, but through all of that, their story that shapes their life, the story of what God did in their life, you are going to see two pillars, two foundational elements of the story. How many pillars? Two. Are you guys ready? Do you guys wanna learn the story? Yeah. Do you guys wanna learn some history? Yeah. <laughs> Imagine if you guys said that in your teachers. Your sister's like, you wanna learn some history? Like, yay, bring on the revolution, right? You don't need to learn that history. But when it comes to the Bible, dude, this is the history of what God has done in our lives. And so if you're ready, say, let's go. All right, here we go. 
We flip back. So we're 1 Thessalonians. This is the letter. But before we get to the letter, we're gonna flip back to the book of Acts, chapter 17. And here in the book of Acts, we find the story, the beginning, the history of the Thessalonian church. Here we go. Starting in verse one. Now. Everybody say now. It starts with now because there was a lot of story before that. What comes before Acts 17? Acts 16. You guys are so smart. You're so smart, right? So because we're doing a, a chapter by itself, because we're not going verse by verse like we normally do, those kind of words need to stand out. Now, it's because we understand they've come from somewhere. They've been traveling through towns and everywhere they go, they're doing something. Action. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis, and Apollonia, or if, you're, if it was a Spanish-speaking country, it'd be Apollonia, but it's not, so we'll pronounce the double L there. Um, actually, in Greek, the double L is an N sound, so maybe we go Apollonia. <laughs> um, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Who hangs out in synagogues? Jews. A little, little redundant, but good to know. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days... On three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary. Everybody say necessary. necessary. It was necessary for the Christ. Who's the Christ? Jesus. Good, good, good. For the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. This is their beginning. This is the story. This is where it all starts. And we see at the very beginning of their story, we find a message. We find a message. Friends, this is where all of our stories really begin. The moment, that the, the moment that they heard right here, the moment that we just witnessed, the beginning of the story is the moment that they heard the life-changing message, right? They heard a message. Hearing the gospel for the first time, if you're a Christian, that's where all of our stories begin. Well, it all started when I was, dude, before that, it was nothing. The moment that every single one of your stories truly begin is the moment you first heard and understood the gospel. And so we see for them, we go back to the beginning and they're hearing this message, right? What's the content of the message? What's the content? Well, they went through the town and they said, we're here to teach you how to be rich. We're here to teach you how to have power. We're here to teach you how to be moral. That's not the message. That's not the gospel. The content of this message is from the scriptures. So Paul, he's there and he, he's in the synagogue, right? So they had their Bibles, which was the Old Testament. And he's flipping through and he's like, have you guys read this? And they're like, oh yes, we read the scriptures. We read them daily. Apparently there were Scottish synagogues. I don't know, <laughs> just overcomes me. Like we read the scriptures and we're waiting for the one. We're waiting for the Messiah the one who will redeem us. And he's like, oh, no way, that's tight, cool. And they're like, what is tight, right? And he says, let me tell you, the one that you've been waiting for in the scriptures, he actually came. Oh, where is he? Bring us to him. Oh, no, no, you can't get to him because he died. <sighs> Excuse me? 
if the Messiah won't die, the one who's coming, the divine Davidic son of God, he can't die. And he goes, oh no, he died. He died. This, is, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Get him out of here. Get him out. No, 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 wait. But before you kick me out, not only did he die, he rose from the dead and he had their attention. And they're like, keep going. And for three weeks, this dude sat there and explained to them why it was necessary for the Messiah to die. And so he explained to them that he needed to suffer. He needed to die so that he could rise again. Why? Because he took our places. The content of this message, friends, is that Jesus Christ came to take your spot. Jesus Christ came not to make you good boys and girls, not to just give you an example to follow. He came because you deserve to die, and so he died for you. But then he rose from the dead. It was necessary for him to rise from the dead because that established the pattern for every single one of our lives, that we who were dead would also rise to new life. And so we see that there's this message here that comes to the Thessalonians. And the center of the message, right? The message centers on Jesus. So therefore, the call to respond centers on Jesus. The center of this message is Jesus. And so we see that people respond. It says that they joined him. So, so Paul and Silas, guys, check it out. Guys up here, eyes up here. So they're, they're, they're telling him about Jesus. And, and you could just imagine those conversations that go on for three weeks. And they go, okay, we believe you. That's the Messiah. Then what are we supposed to do? He says, follow the Messiah. The message is about Jesus. Therefore, the response is also about Jesus. Follow him. And so people joined him. And do you know how radical it is? Do you know how cataclysmic it is? How impactful it is in your story when you decide to follow Jesus? Friends, there's many of you here right now that like, you're my homie, no doubt, we're cool, I, I get it. Like you're welcome here no matter what. But I know that there's many of you in this room that have never come to that point of going, that's who Jesus is, I'm gonna follow him. And so many of you in here have not come to that point of decision yet. And you will by the grace of God. That's why we're here. We are a kingdom declaring community. And we say, just like Paul, join us. Be reconciled to the family of God. And when you do, it is so radical. That look what Jesus calls it. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. When you respond to the message, it's not like you get a new day, right? I heard the message about Jesus. He offers us a new day as if you had many days before that. You know, he just kind of gives us another try as if you've had many tries. You know, it's just kind of a do-over as if you can start over anytime. Friends, the, 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 the responding to Jesus is nothing less than being born again. It's not just another day in a litany of days. It's like being born after never even living before. When you decide to follow Jesus, that first moment on that side of being a Christian is so radical, it's as if everything before that, you weren't even alive. You're born again. You respond to the message of Jesus Christ. And so they respond, right? We see that the, the Greek, or who was in the synagogues? The Jewish people, they were persuaded and joined. But not only Jews, like dude, the message obliterated the social constructs. So we see Jews joined, Greeks joined, men joined, and not a few of the women. Translation, many women, right? Where are my ladies at? Woo! 
right? It's weird that when I say that to the guys, it sounds just as high. It's so weird. It's like, where are my guys at? Woo! It's weird. We'll work on that. And so the gospel, it doesn't just come to a few people. It doesn't say, hey, all the rich in here, right this way through the back door, we're gonna teach you about Jesus. Hey, all the ladies will teach you, all the God, everybody, no matter who you are, the message comes to you, respond to Jesus. And so as we look back on their story, they received a message, but I have a question for you. How did they receive the message? When you look at the text, how did they receive, how did they come to know the message? Let's look at it. It says they came to Thessalonica. It says Paul went in. Dude, I love that, right? Because it probably means he went into the house, but I read it as saying like, yo, he went in, right? Like there were some preachers that were like, hi, but Paul went in, right? He brought it. Anybody else read it like that? You don't think that's what the authors meant? Yo, he went in, right? This dude went in. So there was a Paul there. He reasoned with them. He explained to them. He proved it to them. Friends, they did not come to know the message by like a pamphlet. They weren't like, whoa, somebody stuffed a pamphlet in my door. Oh, my life has changed, right? Like imagine, um, imagine the Thessalonians are like kicking it one day around the kitchen table they're like, hey, we should probably draw strength from our history and shape our identity. Let's reflect on our stories. Well, I remember when my life changed because I was walking down Jerusalem Avenue and there was a billboard there telling me the gospel. And I saw the billboard and blah, I changed. There was not this impersonal pamphlet. It wasn't a billboard. They didn't get an email. A man brought it to them. They received the message from a man, from a person, from a human being who, was, who came and he spent three Sabbath days with them. How many days did he spend with them? Nope, false. Three Sabbath days, that means three Saturdays. How long did he spend with them? Three weeks. He comes and imagine what's going on in those three weeks. He comes into their house and he's kicking it with them, right? And they're staying up late, having these deep camp-like conversations. And they're going, wait, 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 you mean Jesus had to die? Show me again. I just blows my mind. And he goes, no problem. And they're staying up late and they got the, they're burning the midnight oil, literally, right? And they're going and he's being patient with them and he's answering their questions and he's talking with them and he's proving it to them. And those are the moments. And you guys know those moments, right? When your friend sleeps over your house and you're up to like two o'clock in the morning and like everybody's the wisest person in the world at two in the morning, right? You're like, at 11 o'clock, I'm a little bit confused. At midnight, it's starting to get clear. At two o'clock, I get everything, right? Dude, we all have our deepest thoughts at 2 a.m. You're like, it's two o'clock. I solved world hunger. It's so easy. I should write this down. No, I'll remember it. You wake up the next morning and go, what? So imagine they're up late and they're having these conversations. And for three weeks, guys, for three weeks, they're falling in love with each other. They're making memories. There's a lot of affection and longing to be with each other. This is Paul and Silas, actual men who are spending time with them, eating, playing, staying up late, talking. When they look back on their story, they will always remember the first pillar of their story. That their story involves, right? Their story includes the fact that they received a message 
from men. They don't look back on their story and just like, oh yeah, that's when I heard the gospel. No, no, their story will always include the fact that they heard a message, but in a relational context. They heard the message from people who slowed down enough and loved them enough to just talk about it. And this pillar is so powerful in their life. It shapes the rest of their life so that for the rest of their life, they will remember Christianity is meant to be shared and taught in a community. Part of their story will always be that they learned how to follow Jesus with other people. This will shape them forever. And so friends, as you read 1 Thessalonians, as we go through this letter and watch it unfold, you are going to see traces of this pillar because every other sentence is, dude, we love you guys. Don't you remember how we were with you? Remember how we treated you? Remember how we discussed the gospel? I long to be with you again. I have so much affection for you. I'm like a mother missing her children. I'm like a father wanting to be with his son. And you're like, "Ah." why is this such an important part of their history? Why is he wanting to be with them so much? Because their story is shaped by the fact that they came to know the gospel in community. He sat down with them. He remembered them. And you know what I'm excited for? I'm excited because I'm looking at a community of middle schoolers and high schoolers who are right now, you guys have your hard hats and helmets on, baby. You got your hammers out. You got your whatever those are called, right? Jackhammers, thank you. Because you are constructing a pillar. This is part of the story that we are writing right now in our lives. We are writing stories. You are having moments. You are creating history that you will look back on for the rest of your life. And you will say, I remember how I learned the gospel. Not from a billboard, not from an email, not from a Facebook post. I learned from you staffers who had lives and yet still decided to hang out with me and sit down with me at two in the morning and have these conversations so that way I can understand who Jesus is and join them. I remember how I learned the gospel from people who loved me enough so that even when I was running away, even when I was like, nah, the youth pastor's bothering me again. Oh my gosh, my small group leader's texting me. Can't they take a clue? If I don't respond, that means I don't want to be with you. And we're like, no, we get the clue. Do you get the clue? We don't care. We're still knocking on your door. We're still texting you because you will always look back and you go, man, I remember how the community of God is supposed to work. That piece of history will shape how you live the rest of your Christianity. People. So one of the pillars of their story is that they received a message from a man. They received the gospel from people. Are you excited for that part of the story? Would you guys say that you've already lived enough life? You've already had enough youth experience that you already see this as part of your story? Show of hands. How many of of you have already experienced an element of this in your short histories? Yeah. People are involved teaching you the gospel. Anybody? Sound familiar? (laughs) Like, I think that's our mission statement. (laughs) It is our mission statement. (laughs) This is who we are. This is what we're writing. And so this is the first pillar, okay? This is the first pillar. Should we continue with the story? All right, let's move on. Verse five. But, everybody say but. 
But the Jews were jealous. He's in the synagogue and there's Jews who are jealous of the response and of how popular they are and of how everybody's listening to Paul and Silas, right? And so look what they do. This is like the best. I'm just gonna read it. I can't comment right now because I don't know what I'm saying. But the Jews were jealous and taking some of the wicked men of the rabble, the rabble, they formed a mob. Let's form a mob. Arr, yeah. Okay, we'll form a mob. Right. So they form a mob and they set the city in an uproar. Trust me, it gets good. They set the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason. Okay, you're like, who's Jason? He's the dude that was hosting Paul and Silas. So they come into town. They're like, we are here to teach you the scriptures of the Messiah. And Jason's like, I come into my house. So he's hosting them, right? And so they go in the house of Jason, right? And they're like, that's not loud enough. They bang, right? Jason, I, and he comes to the door and they say, bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they said, they're not here. I, what do we do? Take Jason, I, so they drag Jason and they drag him and some of the brothers, meaning some of the other Christians. So they go, is there anybody else in your house that believes in Jesus, this Messiah? Yeah, my brother. Grab the brother, I, and they grab the brother and they drag him before the city authorities, okay? Like they care and they drag him before the city authorities and they're shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. <laughs> this is sick. If, you know why it's not sick to you right now? Because you're looking at words. When I read the Bible, there are literally movies in my head. Maybe some of you hear voices. I have movies. Like literally, I'll just be driving and it's like, and it's like I have a scene, right? I'm like, I hope I don't have one of these like visual episodes like when I'm on the highway, you know? Usually it's at a stoplight and then like I get erupted, interrupted from like a horn, you know? I'm like, stop it. I was watching a movie in my head. And so look at the movie, right? Let's just think of this together, okay? Um, oh, oh, there's more. Oh, wait, there's more. Uh, they've come here also, and Jason has received them. And Jason has received them. And they're all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there's another king, Jesus. I just picture the whiny voices. Don't you picture it? They're like, ah, we're the rabble, right? The mob and the people and the city authorities were disturbed, right? When they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. <laughs> all right, dude, let's watch the movie. Come on, let's take it from the top. Let's watch the movie, all right? The Jews were jealous. Everybody's watching, listening to Paul, listening to Silas. They're like, they used to be the teachers of like, classes in session, right? And now Paul and Silas are coming. We can explain that to you. And everybody's like, and they're all listening to Paul and Silas, right? And they're all like, yeah, teach us, teach us. And they're sitting at their feet and the Jews are like, they don't even know what they're saying anyway, right? And so they get so mad that one day they're like, I know what we can do. We'll form a mob. And like, imagine that scene, right? Like imagine they're going door to door with their tiki torches, right? And like the first dude, like what was the, imagine what the first dude looked like. No mob, a single mob. Right? Not the rabble, just the rab, right? By himself. Rabbi. Ah, you'll see what I did there. Right? And you got a single rab, right? And he's at the door and he's like, well, one can't be a mob. I'm going to need another. So he rings the doorbell, right? He's like, 
ding dong. And like Mrs. Moustakis comes to the door because they're Greek, right? He's like, hey, Mrs. Moustakis, can your husband come out to play? Sure. What do you, what do you want the tiki torch there? Oh, we're just forming a mob, you know? All right. And like guys come to the door and he's like, don't forget your pitchfork. And so they grab it, and right? And they're just going door to door. Ding dong, ding dong, ding dong. And they just get this mob going, right? You guys want to form a mob? Ah, uh, next time, next time. I know you like the play acting, so do I, but we need to rabble, right? And so they get together and they form this mob and now they go to Jason's house. They're like, all right, we got the mob, right? Like, why are we talking like pirates? We're Greek. Aye, right? And so they knock on the door and they're like, dude, we want the people in your house. And imagine Jason's face for a second because he's probably like half asleep and he's like, you brought tiki torches and a pitchfork? And they're like, bring them out here. And he's like, uh, they went for a midnight walk and they're like, well, then we'll take you. And they grab these people, right? And just like, I can't imagine what they're thinking. They're just dragging people to the streets and they're probably chanting, hoo, ha, hoo, ha, kill. I don't know, right? So they grab the rabble and they're setting the city in uproar. So this is not like a peaceful demonstration of, we would like to invite you to the square for an inquisition about your activities. No, they're like going through the streets and they're like, uproar, arise. We're making trouble, listen to us. Right? And so now everybody's like in their window and they're watching and they go to the city square and they're like, bring out the governor. And he comes out and he's like, so what's the trouble here, right? And listen to their indictment. This is the best part. Like, so you see this mob and you're like, dude, these people must be racists. Um, they must have murdered someone. They must have been caught robbing. Uh, they must have like kicked a dog. Like why would you get the whole city in an uproar and bring these people before us? Listen to their indictment. They have turned the world upside down and now they're here. <laughs> How many of you have been accused of turning the world upside down lately? Right? But like, think about it, guys. That is so stinking sick. Not sick like, ew, disturbing. That's sick. You know why it's sick? Listen, students, do you know why that's sick? You know why that's awesome? Because it's true. That's exactly what the gospel does. That's exactly what the message of Jesus Christ does. Every time it lands in a community, it breaks all hell loose. The gospel is not a nice, neat invitation. Excuse me, everybody in the town that would like to maybe have a better life, here's a possible suggestion for you. Jesus Christ is here knocking at the door and if you accept him, as if he's like weak, waiting for an invitation, right? He's like, I hope they accept me accept him? What bogus language is that, right? I accept Jesus as if he needs your acceptance, right? Sounds like cultural whatever. I accept you, right? We're gonna do that. After the gathering, giant love circle, we're gonna accept each other, right? Accept your friends, not Jesus, right? And so the gospel doesn't come in town. It's like, well, here's a possible suggestion. The gospel is this offensive, radical summons, it's not an invitation that you can decline. It is a summons and it says everyone must bow to the king, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want you to go to school. I want you to stand up on your cafeteria table <laughs> and I want you to declare the gospel boldly and I want you to stand up there and go, hey, I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you believe me but the only true God is the creator of the universe and he will judge the entire world by the king that he has established and his name is Jesus. You have two options, bow your knee or die. 
how many people are gonna go, wow, what a sensitive person. <laughs> and you laugh at me. You're laughing. But friends, that's the message. The message is Jesus Christ has come to invite you back into the family. And so you only have two options. You surrender to his pursuit of you or you ignore him. Two options. And so this message is literally causing people to be upset and they're in an uproar and they're like, who does he think he is telling me I don't know the way, telling me that I don't have blah, blah, who is it? And that's the message. That's the message. It's turning the world upside down and they get it. And that's their accusation. And then the story continues and they're just like, how long can you hold a mob for, right? Without anything. And they're like, well, what should we do now? Because we still don't have the people we want to kill. Ah, uh, Take their money. Take their money! Ah! <laughs> Give us your money. Okay. Yeah, bye. And they just let him go. It's like, why'd you take money? Because it's not official if you don't take their money, right? Like, what is, this is a hilarious story. This is what the gospel does everywhere that it goes. It turns the world upside down because the gospel is radical, friends. The gospel is radical. And so this scene, and I hope I did it justice. I hope I acted it out ridiculous and long enough so that this is brazened on your brain because it's brazened on their brain. Every time they remember their story, every time they look back on their history, they will remember this humongous pillar of their story. And the pillar is that their story includes persecution from others. Two major pillars of their story. Number one, it includes a message from men. And number two, it includes persecution from others. The Thessalonians will never get together and share their stories without remembering how the, mess, the presence of the message produced crazy hostility and bent people out of shape. As they think about this, it will shape them. It will teach them. And hopefully it will teach you as we read this book. It will teach them that struggle is par for the course. Persecution is par for the course. It is the normal corollary to the gospel. And so when they encounter it in the future, they will remember that their story did and always will to a degree include persecution from others. So when they experience it in the future, they won't be surprised. They won't be shaken because it's part of their story. Not only will they remember their own story, they'll remember the story of Christ. Do you think his story included this? Did Jesus Christ encounter rabble and a mob? Did Jesus Christ get his money stolen from him by the hands of a mob? But he didn't get released. What happened to him? He was crucified by those who were jealous of him and who hated him. And Jesus, this, you shouldn't be surprised because Jesus warned them, friends. Jesus warns you. He says, if you were of the world then they would love you. They'd be like, oh, what's up? Come on in, I love you. I'll listen to your message. But because you're not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. They hated me, they hate you. That's the pillar of our story, friends. The, story, the message of the gospel is at odds with the message of the world because the message, guys, over here, listen to me, listen to me. The message of the world says, do you follow your heart? 
But the message of the gospel, it says, follow Jesus. Don't listen to your heart because it's sinful and wicked above everything else. And so because these two things are at odd, if you are a follower of Christ, this is part of your story. If you're a follower of Christ, don't be surprised because this is exactly what Jesus told us would happen. So here's how we're gonna end this, okay? Remember, we're going through 1 Thessalonians. We're going to read a lot of verses in 1 Thessalonians. We're going to hear Paul talk to the Thessalonians. And as he does, as he points back to their history, you're going to see these pillars. You're going to see him refer back to the story that we just had an enjoyable time learning today. He's gonna reference the story. He's gonna reflect on what God has done. He's going to call them, call their attention and remind them of the story and of the rabble and of the mob and of their time together. You know why? Do you know why he wants them to look at their history? Because he wants them to do two things. The first thing he wants them to do is to remember. He's always bringing up their history because he wants them to remember it because he wants them to shape, it, shape their lives. He doesn't want them to forget where they've come from because that will change the course of where they're going. If you forget your history, you forget who you are. And so he's gonna remind them of history because he wants them to remember. But more importantly, number two, he's reminding them of where they've come from because he wants them to remain. He says, remember that story of Jason and the mob? Remember how I spent three weeks with you and we fell in love and we, and we just had so much affection for each other? He says, I don't want that to be in vain. I don't want what God has done in your life to be all for nothing. And so my prayer for you guys is that you are still standing. My prayer for you is that as you look back at history, as I'm writing this letter to you going, don't you remember? Don't you remember? Remember what God has done. Remember what Jesus is doing in your life. Remember, I want you to do this. I'm calling your attention to it so that you would remember and remain. So that you would remember and remain. So here's how we're gonna end. I'm gonna invite the band up and we can, we can lower the lights. We can get the music ready. But here's how we're gonna respond. A little bit different today. I'm gonna put this prayer up and we're gonna have three, two to three minutes of silence, okay? And in response to what God is doing in your life, I want you to make this prayer your own, okay? And so you can just, it's your, and to yourself, pray it, personalize it, internalize it. If you wanna write it down, do it. But our prayer, friends, as we look at how the Thessalonians were still standing after all of their struggles, our prayer is that we too will still be standing, I want you guys to come back after college five, 10 years from now and go, Sam, I'm still standing. I want you to come back as camp counselors many years from now and help other students. And they go, why are you helping us? Well, because I was once in your spot. I once slept in that bunk and I'm still standing and I'm still following Jesus. And so for the next few moments, I want you to make this prayer your own and then we'll continue to sing.